Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to episode 37 of English with Tim, the podcast where you can learn English in depth and detail. This week has been a rather chaotic week for me. I had my usual schedule working to school full-time from 8 to 3.30 or so, um, and a long commute in two directions, plus um, some cooking to do and um, consulting with family who are going to be out of uh, going to be traveling to Cincinnati where I live um, and also Christmas shopping the old-fashioned way I could easily save myself a lot of time go on Amazon and click buy now for a large number of gifts and have it all done in you know 10 minutes but that doesn't feel like Christmas um, so I walked around to a lot of different stores and when necessary I called them on a landline telephone um, I messaged one on Facebook and pretty quickly got an answer and felt pretty bad about it. I thought this kind of subtracts from Christmas. I'm, you know, I was born in 1980 and, um, the idea of just Christmas being done completely on Amazon or or online sites is just, no, it's not Christmas. So the, the, uh, the downside of all that activity that I had was that I didn't have a lot of time to prepare the usual kind of episode that I have for you, which is, of course, that I try to fill your head with lots of vocabulary items or some kind of verb tense or um, some root words that are you know present in a lot of different words, something like that, and I didn't have time to do it this week. So um, I'm going to do another type of episode that I did a lot more at the beginning when I first started this podcast, which is travel. So, um, I'm going to talk about my time living in Moscow. I'm going to tell you several stories about me living in Moscow from 2006 to 2009. And I'm the type of person who gets lost in details. The type of person who gets lost in details is the type of person who writes dictionaries and makes a podcast like the one you've been listening to. And the the downside of that is that I lose track of the big picture. And that is what happened when I was in Moscow. Um... When I first got there, um, it was a shock to the nervous system. Um, I was used to living in places where I felt relatively comfortable with the language, um, with how the city was organized, with the size of the place. Um, I was, I'm from a, a, you know, a relatively small city compared to some of the cities that are in, you know, uh, Ukraine and Russia and, and, you know, even Poland, um, yeah, the city where I'm from has an official population of, you know, maybe a quarter of a million, but spread over a huge area. So the population density, or the number of people that live in one square kilometer, is pretty low. So going to Moscow, where it's, you know, at the time was probably 14 or 15 million people unofficially, um, was quite crazy, actually. And I started to sleep badly. I also had a very difficult work schedule. Um, I really loved my job, um, but the schedule was very difficult. It often involved working from 8 o'clock in the morning until about 10 o'clock at night with a break in the middle, which was never long enough for me to go home and take a nap, um, or very, very rarely. And if I did, it was only for 30 or 45 minutes, and then I'd have to get back in the subway. It just was not convenient. And as a result, I started to sleep badly. And when I started to sleep badly, I started to drink um, more caffeine. Um, and when I started to drink more caffeine, I started to sleep more bad, uh, sleep worse. And it just kept getting worse, you know. Sleep badly, drink more caffeine. And by the time I left in 2009, I was there from 2006 to 2009. By the time I left in 2009, I was drinking a staggering amount of coffee and tea every day and eating chocolate to anything. Um, and if I didn't you know, consume caffeine, I would get a terrible splitting headache. I was probably consuming about an entire gram of, of caffeine each day, which is just insane. Um, and so the stories that I have are quite odd. Um, and 
well, the kind of story that I tell is odd. I'm not the type of person who finds these, you know, wonderful, positive stories. I just, I find it hard to talk about them. So, um, when I tell you these stories, don't think that I, um, think that the entire city of Moscow is this way. Um, it's just that if I'm telling you a story, it's going to be something strange and unpleasant. That's just the kind of person I am. I like these kinds of stories. Um, so, let me tell you um, several stories from my time living in Moscow. Several bizarre and unusual scenes. The first one, um, this happened in maybe 2000. Nine. Yeah, it was definitely towards the end. And I was at Metro Pavlitskaya. If you're not from Moscow, Metro Pavlitskaya is on the Circle Metro line, um, and it's in the south of that Circle line, so still, you know, pretty close to the center. Um, and there are two, actually, stations there. One exits to a train station, the other one exits to the street, actually quite a large street with maybe six or eight lanes. And so I exited out of there. It was um, about, you know, 7.30, 7.45 in the morning, and... I took a left turn and walked down the street. Um, I was going to go pick up some coffee before meeting for um, a lesson with someone. And on that corner, the first corner that you come to, there's a rather small street. And at the time, on the corner, there was a grassy area with a fence around it. A fence is a kind of a low wall that is made out of metal. Um, there was a low fence around it, which made me think a little bit of a cemetery. And this area was not big enough, I guess, to um, put a business in um, or put some kind of building there. It wasn't even big enough for a kiosk. Um, and that was kind of odd because, um, you know, Moscow has, you know, such high property prices that somebody surely would want to build something there and, and would find some kind of solution. And eventually they did. When I, came, when I came back to Moscow for a short visit in 2014, there was something there. In any case, in this particular morning, there was not um, just some grass there, but a mountain of very large bags, maybe two meters high. There was just a mountain two meters high of all these bags. And there was a very large old woman sitting on top of the bags. And I walked past and noticed that the old woman had pierogies in her hand, which were still hot, and she was tearing them into pieces and throwing them to the foot of this mountain of bags um, to hungry street dogs that were waiting below. And the street dogs just devoured the, uh, the, the pierogi she was throwing at them. Um, and I walked across the street and turned around and uh, decided to observe this a little bit. I felt a bit nervous because the old woman seemed rather angry. And... I turned around and she just met me with a stream of, of very ugly words, so I kept walking. And in general, when I was in Moscow, that was one of the things that mystified me greatly was the presence of old women, especially in public transport or near it, at very early hours in the morning carrying bags. I asked people, and everyone agreed that this was, you know, an absolutely common sight and that they had no idea what to think of it. Just bizarre. Um, next situation. Um, I was in about 2008 walking along the streets um, near Metro Dinamo, and that's, um, you know, a little bit closer to the north of the city. And I was walking down a rather quiet street, and I saw an old man standing there. And he looked like he was from, like, a National Geographic cover from maybe 1985. This is the Soviet Union. This is what this guy made me think. And as I was walking past, um, I turned my head at uh, to look at him a little bit more. And he, he yelled out to me in a very friendly voice. He said, Angliski yazyk da? And I, I thought, this is really, this is strange. How would he know? So I walked over to him. and We spoke in Russian. He didn't know any English. Um... And he was kind of confused, but well-informed, and he began telling me about globalization and wages in different places, and 
I didn't know really what to think or how to break off the conversation. I'm a kind of a friendly person, and, and don't, don't tell people, sorry, I've got to go. Um, and when that, well, while I was still talking, a group of three young, strong men came up, and one of them decided to make some trouble. And he just uh, pulled off the old man's glasses. They were very thick thick glasses, and he just took them away from the old man, and then pushed, took, uh, took his finger and pushed him in the chest with his finger. And while I was thinking, what should I do? I mean, there, an old man is being attacked here. Um, while I was thinking about that, the old man pulled out something out of his pocket and sprayed it. It was tear gas in the face of this young man. His friends went running. He also went running, and as he ran, he tripped and fell on his face in the street, and the old man came up to him and began kicking him. This was actually one of the only times that I saw um, violence. I saw sometimes threats of violence, you know, someone saying that they were going to do something or holding, um, you know, a broken glass bottle, but that was very rare, and this was the only time that I saw... No, not the only time. This was one of two times, the other case was much worse, um, that I saw physical violence being done to another person um, on the streets. Um, I do have to point out that when I am at home in my own hometown, um, at night in the center of the city, I feel far more danger than I ever did at any point on the streets in Moscow. Anyways, this guy um, was running, you know, the, the young man took off running and fell flat on his face. The old man came up to him and began kicking him repeatedly as the, old, as the, the young boy, you know, just lay on the street completely motionless, kicking him in the back, in the head. Um, the old man wasn't very strong, but, um, you know, some people were stopping and watching and no one knew what to do. A car pulled up and, and honked, beep, beep, and it sounded kind of cheerful, which, you know, of course seemed rather perverse. Um, and somebody yelled out to the old man, old man, that's enough. And... So the old man um, ran off, and his, his limbs were, you know, making these jerky, uncomfortable motions, and he started yelling out, I'm going to get out my pistol, I'm going to get out my pistol. And I thought, wow, I've gotten myself into another situation. And I went to my friend's house, and we spent a few hours together. I came back out, and he, uh, the young man was still sitting there. He was sitting on a, a cube of concrete next to a wall, and his face had become quite large and red and purple and spotted, and he had his face in his hands. And I thought, well, he kind of deserved it. He didn't, at the same time, I felt like he didn't know the kind of harm that he was uh, possibly going to do to the old man or the kind of fear that he was causing. He thought he was doing something cool, and he got his lesson. Hopefully he never did anything like it again. I guess he didn't. Another story, another situation. This was 2007. It was um, Metro uh, Proletarskaya, and I was standing by one of the exits by the street, um, and somebody came out of the came up from the steps. Sorry, and he looked quite angry. He was a large, powerful man. He had a big purple face, and um, his hands were closed into fists, and his fists were dripping with blood. Both of them. Um, not very rapidly, but, you know, there was a significant amount of blood coming out of them, and he just looked extremely angry, as I guess you would if you'd cut your hands like that. And he um, walked past me without noticing me, and I thought, this is an opportunity. I have to see what's happening here. It was around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, so there was a fair amount of people around, and um, not enough, though, for him to get completely lost in the crowd immediately. And so I followed him. I, I looked for the red dots of blood on the ground and quickly found them. You know, you're, the, the reason you know, red is a, a color that we notice is because, you know, it's blood. So I followed the blood tracks, and it wasn't a large amount, but I... I followed him for a couple blocks down the street until he got to that canal. I don't know if it's a canal, but anyway, it's Nabirishnaya. It's, you know, 
kind of a little river that goes um, through the center, near the center of Moscow. And he took a right-hand turn, and he walked into a church, and I didn't dare to walk into the church and, and, and you know, follow this guy. So that's another mysterious situation. How that happened, how he cut his hands, what happened there, no idea. Next situation. Um, I was walking... Um, in a station in the south, I guess it was Kolominskoye, yeah, it was Kolominskoye, with my girlfriend at the time, and um, as we came out of the metro, there was a, a high wall um, on the right-hand side, and above it was the street, and then to the left of it was um, a uh, just a bunch of apartment buildings, and below the wall, the foot of the wall, was um, a musician, and um, an older woman who looked like maybe she was a prostitute, um, and um, another older man, maybe he was in his 50s, and he was wearing jeans, but a, a jacket for a suit, and a green Heineken t-shirt, and the musician had a, um, a big keyboard out in front of him, and he was just standing there. He was uh, tall, he was thin, he had very big cheekbones, um, he had very long arms, he had very large bony fingers, and he um, was just standing there. And there was a kind of an atmosphere of threat uh, towards him, you know, that something bad could happen to him, um, coming from the, the guy with the suit jacket and the Heineken t-shirt. And at some point... Um, he was uh, made to sing. The The boss there made him sing and said, you know, it's time to start singing. So he started singing, but he was clearly no musician at all. Um, the singing was absolutely terrible, and I couldn't understand what he was saying. He was just kind of randomly pushing buttons on the keyboard. And I turned to my girlfriend and I said, what's he saying? And she told me what he was saying, which was that... Um, you are my best friend in the world, um, best uh, male friend, but he was referring to a female. Um, something something mixed up. You couldn't tell if he was referring to a man or a woman, and that um, this person was in the ground now, and that he was going to join that person. They were going to finally be together. And as this happened, as this man kept singing this song two or three times, a crowd started to, to grow around him, and... Uh, some people came and they bought potato chips. They bought Pringles, and they came and they broke up the ch the Pringles and began throwing them on the ground in front of him. Broken up Pringles as if the man were a bird. I didn't know what to do. Um, at some point, he stopped singing, and me and my girlfriend went to the park. We pulled out a bottle of wine. We had a couple drinks, and the police came. This was um, 2008 after they made it illegal to drink alcohol in the street. And so um, the police came, and, and she told me to, you know, get out of here. And so I left, um, you know, standing maybe, you know, you know, 15 meters or so away. And I could see her arms moving like a windmill, and she was explaining to them, that, you know, come on, we're um, not drinking vodka in the park. You know, we're drinking some French wine. And, and she managed to, you know, uh, pay a very low price to these cops. It was maybe under 100 rubles or 50 or something. I don't even know why they took the money. Um, so that basically they let us go. And um, I went home, or actually as I walked past, though, as I was about to go home, I walked past this place where the musician had been, and on the ground there was nothing but a bunch of broken up potato chips. The uh, the woman was gone, um, and the musician was there, and the guy in the Heineken t-shirt was there, and was pointing at him and, and making threats, and I tried to listen in what was happening. My girlfriend took my shirt and pulled me, get out of here, come on, don't watch, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And so I left, and when I went home, I got into bed, and I fell into a boat, and I looked around, and I was in the ocean, and there was blood in the ocean, there were just large clots of blood all over the ocean, and I was at the bottom of a wave, it was a titanium-colored wave, 
and I was afraid that the police were going to catch me, and there were there were thousand-ruble bills floating in this bloody seawater, and I was trying to collect them, collect them as quickly as possible before the police caught me. And suddenly I was on shore, I was on the beach, and I was with a German friend of mine, and we were kind of shielding these uh, these bills from view, and we were counting them, 1,000, one 2,000. And we got up to um, 19,000, and then I had a, a 5,000 ruble bill, one of those orange ones. And uh, that brought me to 24,000, which at the time was about, you know, uh, $1,000. Um, so the ruble was quite strong at the time. And a movie was playing on this 5,000 ruble bill. Um, I could see um, conquistadors, Spanish conquistadors, but centaurs. They were centaurs, um, which is a you know half man, half horse creature. And they were wearing those uh, those conquistador helmets, and they were carrying very primitive uh, guns, and they were shepherding a large group of innocent. Native American, well, South Americans, in front of them towards a cliff and firing their guns at them. And my friend was telling me, Tim, you're rich now. You're rich. You don't have to be poor anymore. And I woke up in bed in, you know, just in a state of complete shock, and the telephone was ringing. And uh, someone was, was, it was a telemarketer, and she was asking me some questions, and I just said in this kind of saintly voice, I'm, I'm not from the Russian Federation, I'm not a citizen of, of here. And she and I said, thanks, but have a nice day. And you could tell she was surprised by someone, you know, being nice on the telephone with her. And yeah, that's my stories. That's all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed them. And I want to say that um, these stories tend to um, separate the people that hear them into two groups. You have one group who says, who nods and says, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that we see very often here. And then I have other people, which I would say is about 60% of the people. And they say, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have never seen anything like that in my entire life. But I believe you. And I don't know um, what the general opinion is. Um, I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are about this. If these stories are normal, um, if you see things like this on a regular basis, if you saw things like this on a regular basis, and if you did in the past, when they stopped. Anyway, um, thanks for listening to this kind of unusual and impromptu, unscheduled episode, and uh, we'll be back next week, which actually will be Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. Thanks for listening. <laughs>